Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up or if you will, hoovering. Holy smokes, lovely ones. We are seeing this frankly dog shit month out with the best possible bang. I'm hoovering with one of the most brilliant, fascinating voices of revolutionary descent from the horror that is the norm in medicine, Dr. Joshua Woolrich. He's masterminded the hashtag NutriBollocks and he's a dedicated caller-outer of the bullshit information about nutrition and weight stigma um, that is everywhere. He's also just the most articulate, grounded and informed realist. I loved being able to pick his giant brain. Also... Um, I had no idea before I begged him to be my guest, but he's, he's actually also got a book out this flipping week. More details about that at the end of the podcast, but based on the conversation that him and I had here, I can't wait to read it, and I know it's going to be the sort of book I refer people to whenever I'm having a conversation with them about health and weight, and or weight really, um, that's making me want to hurt myself. I just want to say, please could you, please may you just read this book and then can we talk? Um, first up, uh, before we get into it though, um, in very exciting news for the podcast, it's the Leicester Comedy Festival in February, and in very trooperish spirit, it's all gone online, and we, lads, 
are doing a hoovering live show, obviously online. It's only a fiver. It's on Sunday the 7th of February at 2.30 in the afternoon UK time. My guests are the Leicester or Midlands originals, folk and activist singing hero, my dear friend Grace Petrie, comedian, brilliant funny man Darren Harriet, and Bake Off lovely man from the last series, Mark Elliott. Yes, please. For tickets, go to comedy-festival.co.uk or there is as ever a link to the specific show in the podcast notes or all over the podcast social media accounts. If you're a patron, check your messages for discount codes or even free links depending on the tier that you're in. Oh, I hope I see loads of you there. We're going to have a fucking ball, actually. <laughs> if you don't know what a patron is, um, go to patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the hoovering pod it's a place where you can give a monthly amount of money uh, and to help support the podcast and help me pay my guests and have half decent equipment etc and in exchange i give you podcast related things like guest recipes and discounts or free access to live shows if you think i haven't got enough money to give you i don't want to give you money every month but i want not give you a five and now you can do that as well you can go to supporter.acast.com forward slash hoovering right Let's get stuck into Josh and I's conversation. I do need to give you a quick content warning before we begin, um, insofar as that we do talk about disordered eating in descriptive ways, and we talk uh, about both calories and dieting uh, in a generalised and specific way at times, not in a promotional way, obviously, but content-wise, you might need to know now that it's in there in case that is not for you. Okay, so we talked over the Zooms, naturally. It was mid-afternoon, so he's got a fish cake and I've got a brownie, which I think is picture-perfect intuitive eating if I ever saw it, and not just me running out of time to cook, completely on purpose. Well, first things first, what should I call you? Dr Joshua? Uh, yeah, you or Joshua. I mean, literally, or Josh, Josh. Or, or like, oi, you sort out <laughs> uh, literally anything it's fine let's go for uh, josh. yeah let's go for josh that's nice although you've got dr walrich with... is far too formal okay i won't do uh, yeah no that feels like we're in a, a yeah sort of patient doctor setting which this is at 100 exactly. percent is not and i no. i will i promise not to abuse your time by asking you doctor <laughs> things for me <laughs> no, that, that's fine. i just won't be able to uh, answer you that's all <laughs> yeah fair enough um and it's I, a good cop out <laughs> perhaps we need to uh, because i believe and this is brilliant because we're meeting mid-afternoon that you've gone for fish mm. cakes to eat on the podcast. Uh, I have. Nice. Look at that. What have you dribbled on them? So, dribbled? That's not the way you drizzled. describe food. Sorry, drizzled. <laughs> I made drizzled uh, as well. It was a, but, a nervous tip. balsamic glaze. Mmm, nice. But only the waitress one because I'm incredibly middle class. <laughs> but, also, but also because I have tried all of them. Right. And oh, nice. the balsamic glaze from Waitrose is a hundred times better than the Sainsbury's or the Tesco's one. So it's not just because of middle class. If it wasn't as good, then I wouldn't be using it. But it is actually better. What you're saying is you've done a um, a sound, you know, good survey. Yeah, you've yeah. done a proper yeah, research yeah, yeah. into yeah. this. Exactly. Um, and I've wh- done a, a I don't know the proper quantifiable research. <laughs> um, and a glaze is a glaze just a thick, inky version of the vinegar. Yeah, pretty much. Mm, nice. Um, I've, <laughs> which is quite bold, really. But um, I've, I was going to join you, but I haven't had fish for ages. My partner is vegetarian, and I am pescatarian. But I, uh, 
I just, you know, we're in lockdown at the time that we're speaking and um, I don't get fish to cook if we're not cooking together. So I haven't had fish, for, I haven't got anything in. So instead uh, I'm just having a salted okay. caramel brownie. Oh, what is perfect this? Substitute. I've got I'm a full sorry. meal. You need to get more I'm, brownies. <laughs> I've got a salted caramel brownie and, uh, but I've got a cup of tea and a brilliant um, Princess Diana and Prince oh, Charles mug. Which um, am I allowed to use the word vile to describe that, or is that or vile? Is that, is, is, yeah, that's horrific. So wait to find out where I acquired it. My neighbours moved out and had their whole house cleared out into the pavement because I live in Catford mm. and that's fine. And they just yeah. they were going to throw that out. And I managed to catch uh, why, it. Why ever would they do that? <laughs> it's a collector's item, Josh. Yeah. Is that the kind of mug that was once white and it's been left out for so long that it's now yellow? It's gone is that yellow. What that is? It's like the, smoke, yeah. the smoker's tooth. Because um, I don't understand why mugs. you would choose to make it yellow if that was the original choice of colour. Yeah. <laughs> they've done that thing you know when people age like distress furniture and uh -huh, age uh -huh. or age clothes and like rip jeans they've done that haven't they they've made the mug to look yeah shit and old from its inception so i did that at school with coffee and paper i remember doing that i remember yeah. burning the edges of a piece of a4 paper and dipping it in coffee and hanging it out to make some sort of old thing i can't remember why yeah, but like a pirate scroll i know i love doing that making the oldie paper well, anyway, yeah, I'm sorry that you've got a full meal. and um, That's all right. Got, I may get distracted to get to eat it. That okay. tends to be what I do, but that's all right. Okay. I'll just eat it later. I'm not a fusser for, for the temperature of my food. So. Oh, aren't you good? Right. No, me neither. No, um, my partner is, and yeah. the microwave gets used an awful lot because <laughs> I take too long. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I used to think my dad was a big weirdo because when I was little, he would have a um, – whenever he had a hot drink, he'd wait for it to get virtually cold and then sort of neck it and um I thought oh god that's no way to live and then I had a kid and was like oh that's actually the only way to have a hot drink now you you, <laughs> you never get it at peak temperature uh see do, do I want to do I want to come across even more middle class by telling you something else yes please I feel like I probably do yes, um so so I have a mug which mm -hmm. uh, which which has a little heating thing in the bottom uh, that keeps it whatever it connects to a phone and it keeps it whatever whatever temperature you set it at. So uh, and there's I've kind of really got into coffee recently, and I was gonna have I ran out of time to make the coffee, but um, uh, the the benefit of that is that coffee is meant to be drunk at a specific temperature, like to the degree to get oh, wow. all of the flavor if you make the coffee properly mm. and so you don't have to worry about it because you don't lose any like if you reheat coffee you ruin some of the some of the flavor but if you just hold it at a certain temperature it's perfectly fine so this this mug is you should get one they're expensive but you should get one because then you've you've got a temperature and you don't need to worry about it going cold it lasts like an hour what are you saying is that you've got a mug with cruise control essentially yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i am jealous of that and I am going to look into getting one. I don't think it's the sort of thing I'll buy yeah. myself, if I'm honest, Josh. It's But it's gone on my birthday. You put it on list. the Christmas list yeah. for next. Oh, yeah, there you go. I've got a July birthday. <laughs> so I am, do it. Yeah, I'm going to, by July, I'll have one of them. What a brilliant idea. Also, I didn't know that about coffee. That means I've been blasting and ruining nice coffee uh, on the regular. If you're hurt, yeah, it, people drink it way too hot. Mm. It's, uh, it, it, you can't taste it if it's too hot. Like, and oh. uh, it, I mean... Unless you don't want to taste it, unless it's instant coffee, and then that's fine. Yeah. But, 
I got more into coffee, I think, over the course of this year because oh, obviously we're the majority of us are trapped at home. Trapped is a bad word, but you know what I mean. We can't. We we oughtn't yeah. and aren't going out. So locked. Like, look, locked yeah, at home. Locked at home. You look for you look for ways, you know, that are safe and at home to feel snazzy. And coffee's a great one. My mum though sent me a sent me some nice coffee um, just this week, but it was called Grumpy Mule, and I think she's trying to say something. Mood swings, which you can shut up. Actually, that sounds a bit like a cocktail rather than yeah. rather than a coffee. <laughs> yeah. To be fair. Yeah. It does. That's a Moscow mule, isn't it? See, Moscow that's actually mule. a cocktail. Yeah, yeah. delicious. Close though. Delish. I um yeah my my brownie is from Costa because it's open around the corner and a coffee run from there was done earlier, which I understand is sacrilege to proper coffee fans. But this it's sol- fine, but again, way too hot. Yeah. Like every, it's just, and they, they make the milk like piping hot, yeah. which again, ruins the point. Milk, milk is, milk gets sweet when it gets, when it gets to the right temperature you overcook it, you burn it and it just doesn't taste of milk anymore. There's no sweetness left. Have you, tr- anyway, I know this you're is, a doctor, but it's not the point of this ever, podcast. <laughs> have you ever been a barista? You sound like you know mm. enough as one. I, I'm, I've, I've, I've spent lockdown making myself a barista. Nice. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's now the current also, just in general, like milk is really interesting because the um, the 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 temperature changes your uh, your perception of sweetness oh, on really? your on your tongue. Yeah, which is why. Which is like, are you a fan of things like Diet Coke, mm. like canned fizzy drinks? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Have you ever forgotten that it was cold and then drunk it when it was warm or room temperature? You know, it's like sickly sweet when you drink it at room temperature. Right. It's because the warmer a liquid is, the more you taste the sweetness. And oh, so wow. when it's ice cold out of the fridge, it doesn't really taste that. I mean, it still tastes sweet, but it's not as ridiculous as when you drink it at room temperature. And it works the same the other way around for milk. So when it gets warm, it gets sweeter, which is why milk in coffee makes milk, milky coffee drinks sweet rather than just tasting like milk, which isn't sweet in itself normally. That's so fascinating. Yeah. But it's, again, a, a matter go. of perception as, a, as, a, as opposed to... Um... I mean, moving straight into the theme of your there we go, yeah. bollocks. It's not actually sweeter. It's just a perception. No, no, no. Nothing's nothing. You're you're drinking the same amount of sugar or not sugar or whatever. Yeah. But it's just that you actually taste it more, which is which is a whole. I mean, we can. I mean, I can. We can link that straight into a, a really interesting diet fact as well, if you want. Yeah. Um, which Literally. is essentially that when you when you deprive yourself of food. And, you know, you get like your body makes you more hungry. Like that's just a thing. Like, mm-hmm. right. You, But not just that, but one of the hormones that that you produce less of because the fact that you're not eating as much. One of those hormones actually means that you're you you have more cravings for sweet. And so it heightens your sweet sensitivity of your taste. And so your body is trying to get you to eat sugary things because it knows that there's lots of energy in them and it wants you to reverse what you're doing. So, again. Your your taste buds really interesting. I think that's a that's a fascinating one, and another reason why the whole diets fail thing and all that stuff. And you know, it's just well because your body is basically saying, "Stop it! Eat some sugar, please." And then everyone yeah. panics that they feel like they're craving sugar. It's like, oh, because sugar's the devil. No, it's because your body knows what's good for it. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty much it. <laughs> oh God! I mean, yeah. I don't. I honestly, I do, I was going to say I don't know where to start. I do. I will start. I want. <laughs> there's so much. I can't. I honestly. I. I know that we're going to get to the end of this conversation and I'm going to wish I had another 10 hours with you and I'm basically going to have to sort of limit myself to try and just 
have you as a guest probably once a year if you're willing. Yeah, just part two is fine. Up. Yeah, okay. I mean, because, I mean, maybe kind of sugar addiction or that, I mean, how easily that gets thrown around. Is it mm. even possible to be addicted to a food? Not to a particular food substance, no. but you can you can have a food addiction in general. Right. So you can become psychologically addicted to food. Um, that is a thing. But that's very, very complex. Um, yeah. And you may have preferences for certain foods within food, right? We all do, right? Yeah. So if you if you have an actual addiction to eating, an actual addiction to food, um, then yeah, there may be one particular food that feels like that's what you're addicted to. But actually, that's not that's not the case. There's no good evidence for things like sugar being an addictive substance in the way that people treat it. It's certainly nothing like drugs whatsoever. Yeah. Um, it doesn't form a dependency like yeah. like drugs do. Um, but of course, it makes you feel good because food is meant to make you feel good. It's not something we need to be afraid of or shunning. It's like, yeah, food is great. Food makes us feel amazing. A brownie is going to make yeah. you feel nice because you ate it. Oh, That's God. fine. This one Why are we trying to amazing. avoid that? Yeah. Oh, totally. And it doesn't just... feel as good if there's no sugar in it, right? Yeah. You know, when you buy the, you, if, if you buy or eat the crappy versions, and they are crappy versions, yeah. because if you're going to eat a cake, like the cake's meant to be made with sugar and flour. And I know if you're yeah. CDM, I get it. I'm sorry. I do feel for you. But if you're not, it's meant to be made with those things. Butter, yeah. sugar and flour, and then all the other good stuff as well. No, so if you're you not CDM, get some gluten in. Get a bit of Exactly. <laughs> It's so it nice. It's the structure of a yeah. sponge. Like, it's... But if you if you remove it, like there's a reason why if you accidentally eat the celiac version of a cake, it just doesn't taste as good. No. No, the science Because you're missing something that your yeah. body likes. And yeah. it's just not, you know. So, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. Go, no, go. I like it. I really <laughs> like it. Oh, this brownie is for, I don't know, like a chain coffee shop brownie. Pretty fucking brilliant. It's got... The caramel's all gooey and keeps getting stuck to my hands and it's got big chunks of really nice chocolate inside it and it's not too dusty. Um, that's <laughs> dusty. my review of that. I hate it when a brownie's a bit arid. Do you know what I mean? And I find that often with well, ones that Where are you buying brownies? I get sent quite a lot of people's brownies uh, and sometimes, well, often the vegan ones, are very yeah. dusty. Well, there's the que there's the thing about buttering, yeah. yeah? So the, if it's missing one of the elements, yeah. like I get it, I know you, it's probably better than not having it at all. But yeah, there's a reason why it's not as good. Say <laughs> <laughs> scrumdiddlyumptious, and then you can be in my podcast. Scrumdiddlyumptious. Your Instagram is amazing. We'll start with that. It's been an absolute revelation, um, and it is. If, almost every time you post something I feel and I'm someone who talks to people about eating or has done one of these podcasts once a week for three years I've learned so much <clears throat> I've gone through such a process of enlightenment for context been it, it, sort of flirtations with disordered eating throughout my life from about 11 mm. and then had some amazing therapy and just read some amazing books just in, feels like a, very much an enlightenment and come so far, um, and I still have to admit, I'm in awe of the work that you do because in in sort of getting deep into your even just your Instagram, some of the comments underneath, <laughs> there's just sort of statements of facts things that you've put mm. up um, recently about keto diet, for example. The comments under that, I cried. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. god. I mean, this is still um, I don't know, just people's desperation to defend their 
lifestyles or choices or um, determination oh, to live. Well, yeah, I mean, it's that. Because there are it's... two different types of comments underneath those yeah. kind of posts. And obviously there are ones that are people talking about just how much pain they've gone through being sucked into those kind of diets. Yeah. And also there are the people that you're talking about who are defending it to the nth degree. And you can kind of read between the That's lines the of what they're saying and going, this cry. is so... Yeah, it's the yeah. people who go, well, um, say what you like, like, my skin's really nice. And you're like, okay, fucking hell. Um, but I don't know, I feel like I'm maybe getting ahead of myself. Like, I just want to know where, where you began in calling out the, the bullshit yeah. in all of the noise about what to eat. Where's, what's your mm. been your story in all of that? And um, yeah, I mean, uh, and how do you not lose your mind staying so deep in the world of diets <laughs> and diet industry it, it, with a view to calling it out? Well, uh, we we might need a long time, but I'll try and give you the the, the slightly abridged version. Um, but I will start by just answering, uh, giving you a little thing to that very last question, mm. just in case I forget to say it, because I think it's important. Um, the 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 best way I find that that I don't kind of get um, bogged down too much by all of this kind of stuff is just the amount of positive messages that I get from people. Um, I have a whole folder on my phone of just screenshotted saved messages that I get. Um, some of them I've never replied to, some of them I have. Some people would probably be very surprised to know I've got their message saved on my phone, um, but just because I can't reply to all of them. But I save them because they are, they're, they're very encouraging. And sometimes it can feel like hitting your head against a brick wall um, and feel like you, you're, just, you're, you're just getting nowhere, you're doing no good, nothing's being of any benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so those messages that, that completely contradict that and encourage w- what I'm doing are are invaluable basically um so yeah i just wanted to make sure i didn't forget to say that only because i think that's really important and i think people uh don't realize just how much value they they have when they message these kind of things sometimes um so uh so yeah uh, to to get into kind of like how i started were, were you aware of what my instagram used to be called no ah see this is a good one um so it used to be called unfattening which is a fantastic name, um, completely uh, the opposite of what I currently do now. Um, but essentially, it started as a weight loss account because that's what Instagram was for. Um, that's what Instagram is for, right? Like that's that's ninety nine percent of of Instagram accounts uh, are weight loss accounts and people trying to document their own journey of weight loss or, or whatever they want to call it. Yeah. Um, and I graduated medical school. And I'd always grown up um, a fat kid and larger than most. And I'd experienced quite a lot of stigma growing up, being bullied for my size as a kid, and then um, uh, being taught lots of stuff at medical school around weight and health and the the whole personal responsibility rhetoric of, well, your weight is just purely about choice. And so I left medical school feeling like I was, A, a bit of a failure because I was uh, I was fat, um, B, I also felt like I couldn't be a good doctor unless I lost weight, which was a really odd mindset to have. But it was essentially um, me internalizing that weight stigma that I'd experienced and going, well, I I clearly can't give out health advice if I'm not healthy, in quotes, myself. Yeah. Um, and it was a really, looking back on it, it's really, it's, it's fascinating and sad all at the same time. Um, but at the time, it made perfect sense. I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, I, I compared it in exactly the same way as if I was a smoker 
um, running a stop smoking service. Um, now there is so much wrong with that comparison, so much yeah. wrong with that comparison. Yeah. Um, but that it made sense to me at the time, um, and it's one reason why I understood why and how Cancer Research did their whole obesity causes cancer two campaign and linking it to smoking. I understood why they did it. They were wrong, but I was like, yeah, I used to have that mindset. It made sense to me back yeah. then as well. Um, I think the majority of people I, do. Yeah. Like. Yeah. 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 I mean, it doesn't doesn't stop it being wrong, but it but it's something that we just assume. We assume that weight is a personal responsibility, and we assume again, this is slightly more nuanced, but we assume smoking is a personal responsibility too. It's mm. not always that clear cut either. Um, but again, to, to to stick to the weight stuff, we we assume it's personal responsibility, and it's just purely a case of you're not trying hard enough, or you're doing it wrong, or you you must be lying, like you're you clearly eat more than you say you do, all this kind of stuff. And so I thought, well. I need to keep myself accountable and lose weight because otherwise I can't be a good doctor. Um, and I thought the best way to do that would be to create an Instagram account, um, convince myself that I would post everything that I ate and my friends could tell me off if I ate the wrong things. The, this was the language I had in my head at the time. Um, so I was using shame as a matter, as, as a method of accountability, as a method of losing weight, which, I mean, it's not that uncommon. Uh, it's pretty, yeah. I'd, I'd go as far as to say that's a very common thought process. Um, yeah. uh, but that was, that, that made sense to me at the time. So I created an account, I called it unfattening. I thought I was really clever. It was a great name at the time. Um, as I was unfattening, uh, and, uh, and I, and I rolled with it. Um, and I managed to convince a whole bunch of people to follow me purely by posting pictures of food and the occasional transformation photo. Like li- oh. people just... People just want to see that stuff because it yeah. encourage it, it. It validates the stuff that they're doing, mm-hmm. and that's one of the problems with so many social media accounts being solely about weight loss. Is it, it validates all of that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, I can I can I can cook because I was I was taught to cook by my dad as as a, as a kid and stuff, and so my food looked pretty. I used a lot of balsamic glaze. Uh, it was great. <laughs> That's how I found out Waitrose was the best glaze of all the glazes because I used all of them. Um, don't buy strawberry balsamic glaze. Very strange. Oh, no. Don't do that. No, thank you. Um, the lemon one, it's okay. But anyway, that's not the point of this podcast. Um, so I got, I got to a point where I did actually lose weight mm-hmm. because um, I chose some very disordered methods to do so, right. not just the shame. Um, but you know, I'd like, I, you, you would expect, or you would hope that a doctor would not be an idiot when it comes to fad diets. That's just simply not the case. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I was like, yeah, carbs are bad. I'll cut all of those. Um, so did all that at the beginning. I then, um, did some, did some stuff, which was very disordered that got close to probably, um, eating disorders themselves, um, which I don't know the kind of audience of your podcast. So I, I, if you're happy for me to talk about it briefly, I can do. 100%. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can put cool. it in. So it's just, in. obviously, I, yeah, I always just, there's just that I always try and kind of put a, a content warning on this kind of yeah. stuff just because it is important for people to be aware oh, that totally. they're not just thrown with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, and I don't know where I got this from. It wasn't something that I'd read online, although that would have probably been uh, a, a more likely guessing as, there are so many tips online of how to, you know, basically develop an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, I decided that I would, I didn't want to not eat the food that I liked. Um, so I decided that I would eat it, chew it, just not swallow it. Um, because that way I still had all of the good stuff, just none of the calories. 
because that was logical to me at the time. And this is, you know, like I'm, I'm a doctor, like I'm not meant to be an idiot, right? Like this is, I know doctors, are, it doesn't mean we're infallible, but this is like relatively basic stuff, like mm. chewing and spitting food is not healthy or sensible, or like, it's not even logical. But in my head, I convinced myself it was because mm. I was counting calories and I didn't want to stop eating mince pies because I love mince pies. But I couldn't justify in my head mince pies because they had too many calories in them. And so it was this horrible like cycle of, well, which food am I allowed to swallow? Which food am I not? It was like, it was mental. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I, I still used to use this. I know that's ableist language. I apologize. I shouldn't. Um, but to me, it was, it was it, in one way that it's kind of an appropriate phrase in this context because it was close to a mental health disorder. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that stuff was not that stuff was not fun. Obviously, I didn't say any of that on my Instagram. Yeah. My Instagram just looked like I was eating healthy food and you know making low calorie meals that looked fancy. And and that's another thing to point out. There are always things that people do not tell you that they're doing. Like yeah. no, because it's so your body is doing every single thing it can do to stop you from losing weight because we're born to survive and live. And losing weight is not a good thing for long term survival. So our brain tells us to stop doing it. And, you know, we, we get incredibly hungry. We start craving sugar. We do all this kind of stuff because our body is trying to say, stop it. Yeah. Um, so I, I gave it that, that craving by chewing on sugary food and getting rid of it in the bin. And I remember I had my housemate walking in one time and pretending to like choke and just like, cause so he wouldn't know and all this kind of stuff. And it was just, it's not good. Um, mm. I got very, very lucky. I feel, um, and eating disorders are very complex, very, very complex. And there is, it, it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like addiction being a, being a, can be a kind of a mental health disorder as well. And so there are elements to where there's a kind of a resilience. There's kind of like a mental resilience to certain things and to certain conditions that, um, like I know I have an addictive personality because my dad had a, has a huge addictive personality problems with alcohol and gambling and things like that. And so I, I never did the alcohol, but I, did the gambling because I was quite good at it because I did maths and all that kind of stuff yeah. and so I would I did quite well at playing poker um I stopped doing it at one point I was just like okay I'm gonna stop because I I there was like I started realizing I was like I was getting addicted to it mm -hmm. and so I think things like eating disorders I I think I I'm just lucky that I had that resilience to it even though I was doing so many things close to developing one yeah. Um, but I just, it's given me a real insight into just how easily it can be to, to follow this kind of stuff, especially when that kind of advice is online. If you look for it, it's not hard. No. Um, and it's, and it's, it's, uh, it's put into this bracket of these are just normal things. It's fine. Yeah. Don't worry. You, you should do this. You should do that. You should brush your teeth after, you know, before every meal, because then you don't want to eat as much and all this kind of really dangerous stuff that is not healthy is just sold as normal dieting tips and yeah. tricks. Um, so yeah, I've gone off on a slight tangent there, but that's how no, my account it's, it's started. It's fascinating, and how, and then where in where in all of that came the enlightenment and the U-turn? <laughs> I know, right? Because it's so different now. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. I think I think that's one. I think that's one thing that we're not everybody knows that. If you go back in yeah, enough in yeah. my account and I talk more about it, the closer I was to it, um, then it's all there. I haven't deleted any of it, even though occasionally I get the messages of like, "Why are you still leaving this stuff up?" And like, because I don't want to pretend. That stuff doesn't exist. No, I don't want to encourage it. Off, yeah. 
get to share. But, and, it, and if if other accounts start reposting it with my name and being like, this is what he promotes, then I will start, I will remove it, I'll archive it. But at the moment, it's there for, as a reminder that I'm not, I'm like you, like mm. not you specifically, but the royal you of like, I'm not pretending to be high and mighty with this. I'm not pretending to be infallible. Like this is something that I have and still occasionally struggle with. And I, and I, that's why I care so much about this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I came, uh, I came across, uh, Laura Thomas. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware of. So yeah. She's so been I on the podcast. Her. Yeah. She's amazing. She's great. Um, she's a pain in the ass, but great. And the reason why she's, if you won't mind me saying, the reason why she's a pain in the ass is because she doesn't take any shit. Yeah. And so she, I remember coming across her and finding the discussions around intuitive eating quite interesting as a concept to mm. me. Um, and she posted something that really like pissed me off at the time. It was all about Halo Top. Do you remember when? Oh, that ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when the low calorie ice creams like were like massive for mm-hmm. a while? I think it was probably like, um, like two that I say like, I know when it was because it was when my account changed. It was like 2018, maybe mm-hmm. 2017, that kind of time. Um, and like Halo Top just came to the UK. And for anyone in in uh, anyone in the fitness industry, anyone who was dieting, any sort of diet, everyone loved it. It was like this is incredible. I can now binge on ice cream. I don't need to worry. Um, it costs like three times the amount. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I remember like tagging Halo Top on my Instagram stories and being like, not so subtly, be like, try and give me some shit because it's expensive. Um, they never did. They sent me some vouchers. That was about it. Um, but I remember Laura doing some stories about Halo Top and that was what stuck in my mind because to me, I was like, well, she's now saying that it's not necessarily a good thing. She said, she's saying that it encourages binging, that it's the whole purpose of it when you look on, on the top of the tub is like no guilt for eating the whole thing. Like it says stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. on And she had this discussion around guilt and food and shame and satiety and how it doesn't leave you satisfied and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, no, you're wrong. (laughs) No, no, absolutely not. I was like, you're, no, you're just wrong. And I'm going to message you and tell you you're wrong because I am going to mansplain why I'm right. Um, and, And instead she was really nice to me and I don't know why she was. Um, but she was. She's like she's that, isn't like, she? So it is annoying. I know. People like that. Get angry, Stop Laura. So Come good. on. Um, exactly. Um, <laughs> she's got angry at me since. It's fine. Um, but at the time, she was she was very nice to me, and she was she just like explained it, just like step to step, and just went, "Well, this and this." And I was like, "I don't get it." She was like, "Yeah, but this." I was like, "Okay, well, can I come and meet you and talk to you over a lunchtime one time then?" I don't know why I asked that. But something yeah. in that conversation was like, I want to know more about this. This is intriguing. Um, and she gave me, uh, she's reminded me since it wasn't just a lunchtime. It was a whole afternoon. So she gave me her whole afternoon oh. and I went and I, I, I like, I just went and sat with her in East London at, at her, um, in her office where, where she does the, where she sees mm-hmm. clients um, and had this really interesting conversation around um, weight and health, weight loss, weight stigma, diet culture, uh prescribing weight loss and why that's what you know the, the harms around that kind of stuff that i've never been told about or can or, or at least been shown and i left that going oh bloody hell like this is i can't ignore like i, I don't agree with all of you well all of what you've said but i can't ignore it and that was where i left it uh and she yeah. sent me a whole bunch of papers via email to read and it just kind of went from there 
And so I blame her yeah. entirely. Um, but you know, also <laughs> at the same time, I, I thank her because I think it was, um, I think it was the fact that she was willing to meet me at my level at the time. She's incredibly, um, and this is going to sound really big headed now. I, I heard it before I said it. Um, she's incredibly clever and that doesn't mean I think I'm incredibly clever, but it meant that I, th I thought I was. And so yeah, she yeah. described stuff to me at the level at which the only level I was going to listen to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't going to necessarily listen to the emotional side of it. Yeah. If it was sold to you, like I was going to argue it away. Episode or yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Even though I shouldn't have done, on I would have, I would have argued it or tried. Whereas she wouldn't let me do yeah. that because she had, she had answers and she had things where like, she was like, well, what about this? And I didn't have answers for her. And I was like, ah, okay. Um, and so it changed from there. And I, I, I followed anti-diet accounts. They must've been very confused why someone called unfattening was following them all of a sudden. I think it's huge. Um, I think it's really, yeah, I think it's really, I think it's really important to, to hear that, 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 that a U-turn that massive is possible because actually I think we're mm. fundamentally humans aren't very good at changing our opinions um, especially if we think they're really educated ones and we are you know I think you know disordered eating is so ingrained in so many people's lives from yeah. so young <laughs> that um oh, yeah, yeah. and you know and I've talked I've talked to so many people doing this podcast and you know and, and, and I will put a content warning on and always do yeah, when yeah. people talk about histories with um, and especially sort of describing different types of disordered eating. But I mean, as you will know, I that I would say 95 to 99% of the women I've spoken to and over half of the men that I've spoken to roughly have um, have all behaved in ways which, if you stop and think about it, are catastrophically disordered. If not, yeah, yeah. if not, they're, yeah. I've, you know, I've talked to people who, you know, you, I didn't know, but it turns out they've full on had eating disorders. Some of them even been mm. in hospital, you know, and it's, it's still, it, it blows my mind that it, um, it's still such a quiet noise compared to the noise in the whole rest of the world saying, no, the thinner you are, the healthier you are. And that's that, you know, mm. I, I had a conversation with someone recently where, um, you know, I, I hadn't thought about it, but in, it, it, it was my early 30s. I'm 37 now. I was about 32 when I sort of saw the light. Between 32 and 34, 35, that, that journey sort of sped right up. And it's I, I only, like this week, remembered that even in my years of dieting, where I'd lose weight and always come back to roughly something like this, um, and even during it, I'd sometimes say to myself, Oh, it's interesting. You always do come back to what what is almost definitely your natural weight, you know. And if mm. someone had said to me during a diet, I'd be like, "Oh yeah," and they'd be like, "Yeah." So, so you get to the to the lower weight, and then what happens then? And you'd be like, "Yeah," and then you can eat normally again. And then, and in my head, I'm thinking, "Then I'm gonna," and then I will look like normal again. Then, like you know, it doesn't. There's no. It, I'm an intelligent woman, you know, and I still yeah. was like, and I'd even during those times where I'd have very, you know, the short patches where I'd be in a lighter body for, I'd be thinking, well, at least I was healthy. At least I was really healthy during those light patches. And you're like, no, yeah. that's not how it works. Yeah. It's really See, unhealthy either, to either, go up and down. And either we down. just assume that this time will be different, right? It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. The, this, but, but I'm doing it a different way this time, so... Yeah, you know, I just I, I will just eat like what my body needs in quotes at that point, and it will yeah. be fine, and I won't lose, I won't gain any weight again. And we we just it's that whole it's that whole saying of um, what is it? Re, 
what's what's that saying? I think it gets attributed to Einstein, and even though he probably isn't the one that said it, around um, doing the same thing twice or whatever is a sign of madness or like what is it when you make the same mistake twice or I can't remember, but you know what I mean, where you yeah. you don't learn from your mistakes, you just keep doing them and expecting a different outcome there you go doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome is like the first sign of madness i think that's the quote but that's what we do yeah like we do that around diet. Yeah, totally mm, delicious a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. I would, I think, very rarely do this, but you did post something so recently about keto diets. I just want to get your take on this because it feels like that's the diet of the time. We're talking at the end of January. You know, this podcast has been so so virulently anti-diet for so long. I still occasionally get emails or DMs from people saying, I get what you're saying and diets don't work, but this one is amazing like it and it feels like the ones that celebrity even some of my the most brilliant people i love in my industry and comedy will will post support of and i just would like you would you mind explaining what keto diet is actually for because it blew my mind <laughs> oh what Isn't why it for it's people what, with epilepsy it it's like a medical diet for people <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It, it it was so that was how it was developed. It was the nineteen twenties, I think, and it was um, an American doctor um, realized that it would actually it could actually have a positive effect on people with what's known as refractory epilepsy. So that's epilepsy that uh, isn't responding to drugs. Um, and he realized that it that it changed the energy source for your body, and at the same time, it changed the energy source for your brain because your brain is part of your body, and so if it just uses whatever energy source is available. Um, and that actually had an impact on uh, seizure activity or could have an impact, not a guarantee. Um, and there are lots of cases where it, where it has no impact whatsoever. Um, but he trialed it for that. And for some people, it, was, it, was, it seemed like a bit of a godsend. Um, so that was the purpose. Uh, how it turned into 
a, a weight loss diet um, is, is kind of like anything else, really. Diet culture is always looking for um, the next thing to grab onto. And essentially, as far as I'm aware, Atkins came first. And then keto was just the, uh, and I love this joke, the, the inbred, bread spelt like normal bread, the inbred cousin of the Atkins diet, um, just without the bread. Uh, so <laughs> I just, you know, I know you're an actual comedian and that was a terrible joke, but I, I like it. I liked it. I liked um, it. <laughs> good. Yes. You laughed politely. It's fine. Um, so yeah, I, I just, it's, it's really bad. And the problem it's really bad is for someone with, um, for someone with epilepsy who is trying a keto diet to see whether it can help control their seizures, it's an incredibly strict diet, like incredibly strict, yeah. like about 90% of your energy comes from fat, which oh, is a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, and so you, it, it leaves you with not feeling very good mm. for the vast majority of people. Um, and actually, for the people who feel fine on a what they're calling a ketogenic diet, ironically, the, um, the, the, the research literature that's out there would suggest that the vast majority of people aren't actually in what's known as ketosis when they think they're doing a keto diet. Right. Even the people that are doing trials that are being given, in quotes, keto diets aren't in ketosis. So it's so hard, you can't even stick to it when you're doing a trial with it, let alone in normal well, day-to-day -day life. Well, I mean, it seems that for the, a few people, read a few people's experiences, that certainly parents of kids who'd been advised mm. to put, trial it for their refractory epilepsy were saying, they, you know, that their mind was blown that people were using this to lose weight because the medical attention yeah. needed for some, because of the impact it could have on your kidney function, on all sorts of things, because it's such an extreme diet oh yeah if you're doing actually, it strict you need enough. to be monitored so properly yeah. if you're actually putting yourself into oh my god yeah. and and all the side effects that, well exactly all, all the potential side effects yeah are perhaps worth it if it's going to reduce the number of seizures you have yeah. because that's a big deal for people yeah but if you're not if that's not the purpose why are you doing it you know, it makes you feel crap because your brain is having to adapt to a different source of energy that it doesn't want to do. Yeah. That, that's the whole keto flu, colloquially known as keto flu thing, because your brain is going, what are you doing? Like, I need, I need glucose. This is yeah. what I live off. You're forcing me to use something called ketones, and I, it's not very efficient, and I don't like it. Stop it. So that, that's one part. And then the other part is, yes, you can do this in a non um in a non-gut unhealthy way, but it's very hard because um, the vast majority of people are just getting no fiber on a keto diet. And so you end up either with diarrhea or constipation or both or alternating. And it, you're, you know, it's not healthy for your bowels because fiber keeps your bowels healthy and it reduces your risk of colon cancer. Like, I don't know if I need to say any more. Like, yeah, no, you, know, and it's you very don't. hard. It's very, you, you can't get fiber in the same way through supplements either. Like, no, it, there, there's a reason why food isn't medicine. And there's a reason why supplements are not the same as whole food. Um, and so, you know, if you're just removing all of the fiber because you're not eating any veg, because it's hard to eat veg and not get carbs, which ruins in quotes, your ketogenic diet, then, then you're, it's not good for you. And so some yeah. people can do it. And some people, if they're very careful, can do it without increasing their cholesterol levels, because that's another common thing too, because people eat loads of saturated fat without realizing. You know, if people, if people yeah. do it in a healthy, in quotes, healthy way, again, it's hard. But even if they are, like, 
for what purpose? Yeah. Like what's, what's this supposed benefit? Because there are none. Even someone that's got type 2 diabetes who are trying to argue that it's better because it stimulates less insulin, there are other ways to do that as well that aren't yeah. harmful or potentially harmful. So uh, oh. fiber's good for diabetes as well, just to clarify. Fiber's yeah, really, yeah. really good for insulin resistance. So that's just an argument in and of itself as to why keto is a terrible idea. Just yeah. stop it. <laughs> like, just don't get it. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you get passionate about it. I find it... Um, <laughs> I find it very hard to be articulate. I, I get because I just find it so upsetting. Um, I want to talk to you about this concept because it feels so pervasive, especially in January, year in year out. Let alone in lockdown. I think where people have got all this time in their own mm. head, perhaps a bit more control over what they're eating than they would usually, and a lot more. The the noise is it, it feels extra this year. Um, but I want to talk to you about this idea of food as medicine. Because mm. I think, again, it's another thing you talk about so eloquently. Um, and it's thrown about so freely um, uh, that it's joyful to hear a doctor be like, what? Um, because it, it does feel like it's thrown about by people who sound so legit. I mean, nutritionists, yeah. holistic nutritionists. I, I sort of found someone on the internet, um, you know, through clicking on a link on a – somebody emailed me suggesting a guest and um, – I don't know. I realised I, was, I, was, I had caution in my heart because the chat was about wellness, <laughs> which is like... Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it always sounds good. And it's then, always um, a slight red flag. Yeah, and then looked, and then somebody that they'd, they, they had um, been promoting this celebrity was a, was a cleanse expert. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I just... Um, in the I, bin. I, I don't want to talk to bin. you about... In the bin. <laughs> Can food ever be medicine? It's also a question I've been asking on the podcast in, in, with fascinating results, you know, for three years. Not to every guest, but if it felt apt, said, um, do you think you've ever eaten or not eaten or drunk anything or not drunk anything that's genuinely affected a medical condition? And aside mm. from one person who had a full dairy allergy, stopping having dairy. Yeah, you're and, allergic, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and another person who had terrible um, teenage acne who, ha- who um, having tried all sorts of lotions and potions, eventually had a Chinese tea that tasted of death but did seemingly work. Those were the only answers in three years of weekly guests. Um, so that's my research, but you're a natural doctor. <laughs> um, generally just, what is your take on food as medicine? Talk to me about toxins. People talk about things like mercury. <laughs> is there mercury in fish? Is there plastic there is. in things? Yeah. There is. I mean, there's plastic in all sorts of things, but it's not causing any problems. Um, yeah. So there are two things. You asked one question at the beginning, can food ever act as medicine, I think was the phrase that you used. Yeah. Um, and yes, it can. But that's not the same as saying that it is medicine. Mm-hmm. And there is a big distinction between the two. So if you have vitamin C deficiency and you have scurvy, then eating food with vitamin C in it is acting like medicine. Yeah. So yes, it can do, but it's very specific as to when. Um, and the, you know, the only time that food and nutrients actually acts like drugs, and it's an important distinction because that, you know, that, that's kind of what people try and replace um, uh, food with they try and replace drugs with food and that's that's the that's the crux of the whole statement of food is medicine is that that's what they're trying to do the only time when that's the case is if is if the the, the problem was the lack of that food in the first place right um 
you know, the, the, the absence of a drug is not the cure for a disease. So you don't start taking uh, anti-blood pressure medication because you were born without enough anti-blood pressure medication. That's just not how it works. Like you start taking that medication because there's something wrong with your blood pressure. You don't start taking vitamin C because there's something wrong with you. You start taking vitamin C because you don't have enough of it. So yeah. there's a very big distinction between those two things. Um, I've slightly gone off on a tangent now, but essentially, no, it can't. Food is not medicine. There are two very mm. di- they are two very, very different things. Food is food. Medicine is medicine. We can respect both of them. We can respect how important food can be to our health without treating it as medicine and without claiming that it is. Sleep is very important to our health. It's not medicine. Exercise is very important to our health. It's also not medicine. Social interaction talking to others, having conversation, having friendships, all that kind of stuff is really, really super important to our health. It's not medicine though. You don't, you don't look at someone who's got a disease or a condition and go, you know what you need? More social interaction. Yeah. Great. Thanks. But also I'm coming to you for like actual medical advice, please. Like this is not helpful. Um, and so it's that I actually, you said about seeing like nutritionists and holistic nutritionists, to me, the main people I see that talk about this stuff are doctors. And that's a big yeah. gripe to me. And the reason being is that we don't learn nutritional science at medical school. And it is actually very different. We learn something called biomedical science, which is essentially the science of, of the way that the body works and pharmaceuticals and that kind of molecular interactions, all that kind of stuff, all the fancy stuff. Um, And we assume that's the same as nutrients. We assume that the same kind of scientific inquiry just goes, we we assume we know all of it. Nutritional science is very different. Mm. And actually, when you study nutrients and you study things like vitamins and minerals and food, you study it in a different way. And if you try and study it in the same way that you study drugs, you think that food is medicine. So you completely misinterpret how food works based on the way you're coming at it. Yeah. And that, that's that's this. I need to find a good analogy for that because that's the same in in all walks of life, really. If you come at a problem with an assumption, you end up coming to the wrong conclusion. Yeah, it's um, confirmation so if, bias, right? Yeah, it, exactly. So the, doctors do that all the time when it comes to food, and there are now full-on practices. Functional medicine is a pseudoscientific branch of the medical community that uses food as medicine um, and claims that everybody has toxins everybody has heavy metal poisoning everybody has lyme disease um everybody has uh gluten allergy because of course it's all about gluten and and they just promote complete nonsense um and their whole goal is to use as little actual medicine and drugs as possible and that's not a bad goal Mm. but when you're using something that's not the same that's a really bad outcome it's really dangerous like if you've got if you've got high cholesterol and you actually have a high risk of heart of heart disease, that food can have an impact, but no amount of food is going to reduce your risk as much as a statin is. It's just not going to happen. No matter how many people argue it is, it's simply not true. And so there are both. We should use both, and we can find better ways of explaining how important food is without conflating it with medicine because they're not the same thing. Yeah. And um, can I, it's beautifully put. Thank you. Um, and can I ask a specific one about cleansing? Because I think, yeah, yeah. you know, every year there'll be 30 articles. There'll be 30 articles in any given hour on, you know, online uh, with cleanses to do in. And then yeah. there'll be one Detoxes. going and just a heads up, detoxes and cleanses don't do anything. 
Can I just <laughs> succinctly ask you a short question? Cleanses don't you don't you can't clean your body nope. through something you drink or eat. Nope. No, you just That's shit yourself temporarily lighter. In most instances, you just shit yourself yeah. temporarily lighter. Is that right? Yeah, if it's got a laxative yeah. in it, then that's what it's going to do, and a lot of them do. Some of them have stopped doing that because they got called out for it, and it's people are becoming yeah. wise to the fact that things like skinny tea is just a laxative in a in a sachet. Um, yeah, which is but, effectively uh, but... arse purging, right? <laughs> well, but it is purging, that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think an enema is like yeah. a arse purge. Oh, okay. If we're going to be specific, arse purge. Um, which which again, <laughs> people do as a colon detox. Like that's oh what they call it. God, they call a, it a colon, colon cleanse. <gasps> Seriously, they're called. Oh, God, God. I mean, I'm not going to drink eight pints of wine and call that a throat detox. Yes, but would you put it up your rectum? That's the question. <laughs> Let's see how long lockdown lasts. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, look, the, the, the latest, and it's kind of it's been around for a while, but it's coming back. Is is coffee enemas, yeah. where people are doing people are uh, are literally. People are filming themselves do it on Instagram, just not showing it. But they're lying in like a flipping bathtub with the with the bag of coffee hanging off their curtain rail, and they're doing a coffee enema, lying on their side and just talking to the camera. I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? Not only is it harmful and also probably quite dangerous to your bowels, Ooh. but it doesn't. But it does nothing good. Like, why are you? Why? 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 So yes, no. That your body does that for you. If you if you need medical intervention to detox. Um, then you have bigger problems, and it's probably because one of your organs isn't working properly. Uh, a dialysis machi- machine is a detox machine. Yeah. So unless you need dialysis because your kidneys don't work, you don't need to detox. You do not yeah. have toxins building up in your body. Again, unless you're eating lots and lots of heavy metal, which the vast majority of people are not doing, unless you're eating tuna, cans of tuna for every single meal for your entire life, you probably don't have mercury poisoning either. Like, it's just not... Yeah, oh. it annoys me. <laughs> um, so on, on perhaps a more sort of um, practical, functional, I mean, I've not asked you any of the normal questions I'd ask, but I'm also not even halfway through <laughs> the stuff I wanted to specifically ask you. Um, a, a more sort of, uh, yeah, pragmatic question. What if someone is in a well enough, well-adjusted place when it comes to their relationship with eating, they're relaxed, unobsessed, yeah. you know, made their peace, learned to take joy, remove all extraneous emotions, etc and you know keep some of the emotions okay i'll keep the joy keep the joy you know what i mean yeah yeah. they have an uncomplicated (laughs) relationship with food certainly in the context of their history can you can you show me who that is yeah (laughs) i know yeah no sorry Um, but say but say that that's the situation and they go well i do want to eat in a way that's healthy like I do, I am yeah. interested in what nutrients there are in certain ways of eating and certain, you know, this culture's diet, this, etc. How is there any way of doing that whilst avoiding charlatans and bullshit? Is there any way of not sort of really going down a hole in even the, you're venturing into the research? Yeah, there that? are, there aren't. There are only really a few like key points, but it's not sexy information. And so it doesn't yeah. get like shouted from the rooftops about because you can't really sell it. Um, 
but yeah, there are a few basic things that that span all cultures, that span all diets, that span all times. That that doesn't change. Like we know a lot about nutritional science. Like it's people like to claim that we don't know very much, and that's why. And blah 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 blah. We do. We know a lot of stuff. Um, so there are some very basic things. More veg. Very basic thing, but more veg. And the reason being is because you want more fiber, because fiber is has a plethora of benefits to you and your health, um, not just your gut, like all of your overall health, full stop. So more veg, more fiber, more fruit, because fruit is really good for you and it's packed full of vitamins. Um, and so that's a good thing too. Um, less meat. Yeah. The, the majority of these advices are going to be more, are going to be inclusion, but meat is one of those things where we've we've kind of developed a culture of eating lots of it and the problem is that it takes up space on our plate from the veg yeah and so we don't eat enough of the good stuff because we're replacing it with something that isn't automatically bad but it potentially has the the ability to to cause us to miss out on other things mm -hmm. um so it's like I, I guess it's a bit like it's a bit like playing computer games they're not automatically bad but if you play them so much that you don't go outside and you don't get fresh air and you don't walk and you don't exercise then they could be the problem, right? Yeah. So that's that's one thing. Um, less saturated fat is another thing because it's just, and, and the majority of the place we get that from is from animal products like meat. Um, the saturated fat in dairy, unless it's butter, actually is fine. Um, dairy is a complicated one. So basically don't worry about dairy except butter, just eat a bit less butter um, and eat a bit less fat, saturated fat from, from things like red meat. Um, and then pretty much everything else there isn't really anything else I like, love it I love it that it's it, like, I love it it's so like, useful to me it's that it's such that a succinct right? answer yeah so if you if you like rice if yeah, you like rice and love rice. rice if you don't like rice and you love pasta include pasta if you love bread include bread but you know what I really fit risotto last night Josh I made <laughs> exactly. such a nice one <laughs> it's I don't Seriously, I feel like for people living without that just you know for aesthetic but this is the thing that people go oh no no but but risotto's bad because it's got white wine in it it's got alcohol and it's got butter in it and butter's bad because of saturated fat this is not what i'm saying yeah. like just because you just because you want to have less of something it doesn't mean that you remove it no that's not how this works get it involved like you know if you're if every single meal of your day is risotto maybe yeah. but because you're, there's, there's not much veg in a risotto there may be a few peas but that's about it but you know like if you're, th this is this is the other main thing is variety. Just mm. get get more veg, more fruit, more variety, and less meat. And you don't need to panic. And none of the fad diets agree with that stuff. This is the problem. Like every single fad diet will do something or another to remove those. It needs a hook, they'll either doesn't tell it? You any article, exactly. any article about nutrition, not even diets. You know, even if you're like, I'm not looking for a diet. I'm looking for nutrition advice. Even then, all the language of superfoods and all of that is like it's dog shit <laughs> but also you know you know what's what what's so frustrating is the fact that even if you do all of that food stuff perfectly mm. you still might get unwell like actual medicine yeah <laughs> because our food our food and our diet has an impact on our health but it's not the main impact and people are very unwilling to admit that because it means that they don't get to control something yeah um but the vast majority of our health is predetermined based on where we live, who we were born to, you know, what, how we grew up, all that kind of stuff. It has the biggest impact. Our, our, our social determinants of health matter way more than our food. But it's always sold as food being the most important thing in your entire life. 
and food has all of this like responsibility and it's like yeah food can be important but there are lots of other things there like it's only one of it's it's one of like five things that we have some control over yeah. that are important to our health and it's not the most important no. like sleep is more important than than our nutrients i would argue yeah. <laughs> like you're going to die faster from lack of sleep than you are from lack of vitamins yeah you know like and and you you can't it's just it's so frustrating because we have this so backwards we have such an un an unhealthy obsession with food being the be all and end all of your health that we go to the nth degree to try and find the next magic because we're still dying we're still getting unwell and so it means we must not have found it yet yeah and it's like no that's not why firstly it's because we're not actually following what the real stuff is and secondly it's because food isn't the be all and end all of your health yeah stop treating it like it is it's an unhealthy obsession because it gets really really upsetting when you do everything in quotes right around your food and you still get cancer yeah because you assume that, well, but therefore it must be my fault. I must not have done it properly. I must have, you know, and it, or this, the attitude of food being medicine or food is medicine encourages that kind of rhetoric. It encourages that personal responsibility that is really harmful and really, really needs to stop. Yeah. <laughs> That's my, that would be my main message. I love it. I love it so much. Oh God, what a, what a <laughs> note to see January out on, on the podcast. You're my dream guest. <laughs> mm, yum in my tongue. Lockdown eases and public toilets are open again, so everyone goes out on a really long walk with a giant flask of boozy coffee, but a sorcerer casts a cruel spell on everyone, which means that you can't have a wee, even when you really need a wee when you're on a toilet. You still have to do them all in hedges, roadsides and dark trousers. For the shy of us, it's hell. People are losing their minds from wee-wee need, riots break out, hedgerows flood, absolute carnage. The sorcerer agrees to undo their bitterly evil spell, but only if you, and weirdly it does have to be you, Josh, build 49 of Argos's most complicated freestanding basketball hoops in a row in the rain in the dark with no help and no breaks whilst keeping both your body and your mind intact. It sounds impossible, but you do it! You're a hero of all people for all time. Your reward is a place in history. Awesome. The man who saved us all from Wee Wee Geddon. But your reward in the moment, and bearing in mind, so it's like the opposite of a last meal, um, you're the happiest, <laughs> but also the hungriest it's possible to be, is the feast of your dreams. It's a fantasy feast. I don't care about the consequences of anything. Nothing has to even be possible. I would love to oh. know that in this state where you are like, you know that you've just basically put yourself in a, almost like a godlike status in history. Um, you are, couldn't be happier and you're starving hungry. Um, what would be your dream thing in that situation to eat, to drink? And if there's a who with and where, a who with and where, please. That That was the most long-winded way of asking that question ever i loved it i was very confused as to where that was going it's for an maximum awful long time. podcast isn't it it's as podcast oh, yeah. as podcast Seriously? gets to ask that question oh, my word so my my basically my dream see i, I don't want to be i don't want to be too fancy in terms of context because i'm thinking you see in terms of context i've probably been eating food that has the least amount of fluid in it possible for ages yeah. because i didn't want to wee in hedgerows anymore so i'd probably be loving soup about then but that's probably that's not that's not the right answer. That's not what I picked. Fine. Super boring. Um, <laughs> Ramen. That's probably, Some's kind of snazzied up. Lip. It's got to be a really liquid yeah, dinner, seriously. isn't it? Have you thought about this. Well, yeah. 
See, it may well be ramen. See, I love, I love Japanese cuisine. It mm. is probably, if I had to pick one type of cuisine to eat for the rest of my life, it would be that. Um, I just, I just love it. It's just so good. So it probably would be that. I think it would be some sort of like Michelin star, multiple course. And the only reason I'm saying Michelin star is because the multiple course, because actually yes, Japanese food isn't fancy. It's like proper homely and like, you know, incredible. Um, but so basically forget Michelin star, just multiple courses of like all of the best kind of Japanese food from like tonkatsu to like ramen to proper mm -hmm. sushi and sashimi. Just, ah, yes, it would be amazing. Um, and then I, even though sake is not officially my favorite drink, it would probably have to be like a full flight of different sakes because when I went to Japan, it was so, I didn't realize sake was so fancy. Like it's like wine. You can, there are so many different types from so many different regions. You can get sparkling sake, which is what? amazing. Um, exactly. You drink it cold, you drink it hot, depending on what kind of sake it is. So I think like a flight pairing of sake to go with oh. each of these different courses, it would be, it would be, it would be great. Yeah. That or yes. lasagna. But I think like, <laughs> the, the whole, <laughs> the whole Japanese cuisine thing. Oh yeah. That'd be good. But you can't I beat lasagna. Lasagna is great. <laughs> oh, brilliant answer. Thank you so much. No problem. What an amazing episode. If I don't say so, my bloody self. I can say so because it's brilliant. It has nothing to do with me. I just was uh, an okay listener. <laughs> if you're not already following um, Josh on Instagram, it's at Dr. Joshua Woolrich, um, W-O-L-R-I-C-H. Um, and yeah, I genuinely had no idea he had a book out um, before I asked him to be a guest or before I interviewed him, actually. I just found out afterwards. Um, so it's pure luck, um, which is very lovely. Uh it was announced and made available to pre-order just 48 hours ago, if you're listening to this podcast as it gets released. Get in. Um, and it's called Food Isn't Medicine. It charts his journey with disordered eating, his journey um, with weight, and then it goes on to do some very specific and uh, extensive Nutribollocks calling outs. Um, and so much more by the sounds of it. I want to read it now, and I'm sure you do too. Um, there is a link to both to his Instagram and to the book, uh, where you can pre-order it in the podcast notes, as ever. Um, but the short link to pre-order the book, if you'd rather just get straight to it now, is smarturl.it forward slash food isn't medicine. You can come see the Hoovering live show, I'd love that, on Sunday the 7th of February, 2.30 UK time. It'll be a right old laugh, and we can all bring things to eat, because we'll be at home, and we can show them to each other. Yes, please! Feel free to support the podcast with lovely reviews and recommendations. Do subscribe, or you can give us some cold hard cash if you've got it. Only if you've got it spare, please. Uh, go to ACAS supporter or Patreon. As with everything else, including all the little bits and bobs that we mentioned in the podcast, I have put links in the podcast notes. Um, especially there's a link on in the podcast notes to a brilliant episode. Um, um, Josh mentioned Halo Top ice cream, which you do see everywhere. I'd never really thought about it. I didn't want to promote that ice cream by linking to that, but... Um, I just coincidentally, in the last few weeks, listened to a brilliant episode of an excellent podcast called Maintenance Phase that just goes into the history of um, 
stuff like Halo Top. There's a whole episode on Halo Top ice cream, basically, that will, I mean, fill your boots. So I've linked to that in the podcast notes instead. Follow the podcast. It's at the Hoovering Pod all over social media. I'm on there at Jessica Foster Q. Anything longer than a tweet, you can email me through my website, jessicafosterq.com. Huge thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy Hoovering. 